0: Welcome to the Rumpus Room.
1: Hey, everybody. How's it going out there? It's the boys from the Midwest back kicking it here in the Rumpus Room. And let's hit them up and take a look at the day.
0: Talking about focus and concentration is uh, something that I've been doing over the last week or two. And one thing that I've learned from a um, a good podcast by Dr. Andrew Huberman is on how vision and focus correlate with each other so the greatest sign of trying to have better concentration is really focusing on that and it seems like kind of an easy thing to do you know it's very basic but he said there are just neural pathways that if you look at something and you really try to look at it your concentration focus goes up and so you're, you know, what I've been trying to do is practice focusing on these single points. And when I'm reading, really focus on, you know, reading the words. And my mind gets pretty active. I have a very active mind, so it'll jump topics. And so that's something that I've been trying to do is how can I use vision um, to really improve my concentration and <clears throat> focus. I think that's one of the skills that we, I need to develop more of. There's a meditation
1: technique that involves uh, just staring at the flame of a candle. And really what you're supposed to do is focus on the place at which, um, I can't remember if it's the very tip of the flame or it's the very base of the flame. Uh, I'm sure you could try either one. I'm sure mm-hmm. there's different schools of thoughts suggesting either one is better than the other, but, um, the, uh, you're supposed to, again, you know, kind of just focus your mind and what I've noticed when I've done this is, you know, when, and it sounds weird, but, um, when the flame is flickering, usually my mind is like also flickering and it seems to be this odd sort of corollary to when like you're, mind is focused on it and then usually I get excited about like oh my gosh I'm focused on it this has been so great it's been still for such a long time and then all of a sudden flicker 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 it's just one of those odd like instant feedback things that your mind creates who knows whatever meaning you know it's creating but um it seems in the time at that time to be corollary to what's occurring in your like immediate mental
0: space you know Mm Hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I've been, you know, that's one of the activities that I've been doing. It's not necessarily on a flame, but it's on similar things where you're looking at a tree. You know, you just look at these things and you can see your mind kind of playing different games and tricks on you. And I think one of the things that I've been really struggling with is the distract, like it's really easy to be distracted to the point where I'm almost conditioned to like switch tabs and, oh, I might as well go check to see what's on ESPN or is there any news here? You know, oh, I'm working on this one project. It's like, oh, maybe I'll do, you know, I'll go check and see if I got an email. It's just like there's constant distractions and I feel like I've trained my brain the last 10, you know, 20 years on being more distracted and that's something I'm trying to get control over and become more focused on one or two things. And it's just something I've really been focusing on. I think since the pandemic started, I've been trying to meditate and do all these things and it's helped me, but it's just, we're kind of, I think I'm, you know, working uphill a little bit with all of the devices and the opportunity to be distracted.
1: Yeah, I'm in, I'm scheduled for meetings for probably eight to ten hours a day, and so deep work is extremely hard to come by uh, because, (laughs) you know, I still have obligations to actually deliver work outside of just being present in these meetings. One thing I need to do is just step back and be like, look, this is, I'm not going to be, we need to change what what one of my... Managers or my managers said that a need to attend a meeting when you're not materially participating is a poor function of the information that should be shared, that are the outcomes from that meeting, is not occurring. So, when that doesn't happen, people feel like, Oh, I just want to be there and observe, blah blah blah. And it's like, Oh my god, this is such a waste of time that nobody trusts each other.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like I, that is, I think more trust would, you would be able to kind of divide and conquer more.
1: Yeah, and it's just, it's a function of the information either not being circulated after the meeting in email format via notes with like specific call-outs, which some people do really great and some people do really poorly. It's so hard to pay attention to those sometimes when they come and you're like, oh my gosh, is this really the material concept here or not? I don't know. Anyway, it's... Uh, it's a real challenge um, and it's getting so much worse with zoom because of the ease of an ability to schedule a meeting as opposed to like when you're all in the same room, it's really easy to see when somebody is blasting away on their keyboard, just hammering out emails, you know, but not paying attention. Like I know, you know what I mean? When yep. It's online. It, you can do that pretty easily, but I am unable to, Pay attention to what's occurring in the meeting and do thoughtful work.
0: So, I got a question for you. Do you guys spend a lot of time on chatting, like Teams or some chat, Slack? Nope. Uh, so, I've had this conversation with a lot of people around is it actually productive to be on those things? I'd be curious what your opinion is. So, like, do does is it make does that type of immediate, always available, chat, and almost a requirement of being on it, make it more efficient, make the organizations more efficient?
1: I don't know. We don't have a real significant. We have. I would say there's more meeting culture than there is chat culture. So okay. The chat culture is usually like, I have a very specific request. It's not, it's not like all the time, all, you know what I mean? I'm not carrying on long standing conversations that are material. It's with this, with this client at least, that's, that's how they use it.
0: Okay, because I know, you know, I know a couple people that have this chat culture. Were they really required to be on it all the time and make sure that their little
1: yeah my wife, symbol is green? My wife is her operation is sort of like that for one of her teams because their deliverable is something that's time dependent, so they're always kind of expected to be available because the deadlines are such that every day we have these things that are going out the door, and so the outlet, you know the expectations that during these hours, you're always on, always available, always responding quickly. And um, so some of it is dependent on the nature of the work, I think, and the culture that emerges from the nature of the work. And not much of my work is like a daily, you know, product. It's it's more kind of project based that extends usually days or weeks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's probably for specific like if you're working on these deliverables, like you have a document that's due at the end of the day, you know, like a creative, let's say you're doing a, a marketing material piece that your your team wants to get out to the sales team tonight. Being, working on that and being there is very important. And it might be easier than just calling a meeting. I don't know, I just, I, I'm not sold on the chat functions. That's kind of my thing. I just I. It just is another way of communicating that i think it's being overused a lot of times and that's yeah i i used to be at a culture which was very instant message focused and it's easier to not work on those functions than to work (laughs) totally and i think
1: that uh leadership has such a significant obligation in driving that question uh or driving that norm because I've been in cultures where like, if the leadership is like, I need you to respond to my message when I ask it, or you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to give you something and then I'm going to check in on you in four hours, or I'm going to check in on you at the end of the day and see where it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this culture is not like that, but consulting, for example, all the time, you know, Uh, hey, can you give me a status update on that slide? Right. Like, you know, (laughs)
0: uh yeah very okay. well <laughs> <laughs> pretty common uh or banking i know Open your uh, pants at yeah. 8 p.m if you didn't hear back from somebody because you're like can i do something or do i you know is it time for me to go work out or do i have to am i going to get an email at 10 30 that says oh you screwed this up because i've i've gotten those emails before yeah and i need
1: this before tomorrow at 8 a.m
0: yeah this is a thing you're like you know you kind of question whether you can do stuff so you know there's that's why the burnout i think is pretty high in consulting which is what i've what i experienced yeah and and so uh, you know
1: like i said the nature of the work oftentimes d- dictates how those tools are used uh, and i think it takes a really intentional um leadership team and kind of uh initiative or program to ensure that those programs are not sort of misused to the degree of like, you know, how this, how this meeting culture can just, you know, expand or chat culture can expand or whatever. I think, uh, HR, I used to have so much, um, like, I used, I used to not really value contribution that human resources brings to an organization, because I was like, oh, it's a soft skill, blah, blah, blah. But um, HR can be an absolute waste of time, or it can be such a huge asset. And frankly, I have rarely seen it where it's like, highly supportive of uh, the operations. But I see that there is very much a vacuum in a lot of places for, uh, you know, that intentional focus on like, how do we do work?
0: Mm hmm. Yep. No, I think that's I think that's one of the most like it's a profession that can add so much value when it's done correctly and it can be so valuable to an organization. I mean, you think of the the most expensive part of a business is the people. So that's what HR is over. So they can really differentiate companies if they have solid processes and they have good leaders and they you know, support. And I've seen a lot of instances where that hasn't happened and I've seen instances where it does. So I think you're right. They do. They do also, I think, establish some of these cultural norms. Um, so yeah, that's been a, that's always a complicated thing when you look at a business is like, what are they really good at? You know, you you think of like specializing. So, um, Amazon is really good at innovating and they're you know they're starting to challenge the idea of companies that specialize in one or two different things like you think of a retailer target they're you know they focus on selling products at a store um, and they've made that really be something special and I think Amazon's challenging the the direction of some of these companies on like look at Amazon there they make a ton of money off of their, uh, web hosts or their hosting their web. Um, sorry. Yeah. AWS web services. And, you know, they got into obviously online distribution of books and a lot of other things, but I think they're starting to challenge this. And I think that's what I've noticed is a lot of these companies, I mean, Apple is, very, they sell kind of a few things, but they do yeah. branch out a little bit.
1: Yeah, but they're all still hardware, you know, uh, yeah. and, and they obviously do write their own software. But you know, it's it's uh, it's much more of a narrow niche than Amazon, that's for sure, right? Um, yep I would say Microsoft has even been further out than uh, than Apple. I mean, Apple has always stayed pretty in their lane. Um, but Microsoft has certainly branched out uh, in various different ways. You know, some people would say not as effectively. Whatever, it doesn't matter. But um, obviously, the the uh, availability of the internet is is kind of changing. You know how uh, the definition of a company can be. Um, I don't know. I, in a, in another kind of aside, I, I live in the city, and um, I there's this entrance ramp to a highway that's probably about, I don't know, five, six blocks. I think it's the entrance to 394. And, um, I hear all of these extremely loud cars or motorcycles now that I used to never hear, I feel like, and, uh, I can't really tell if there has been an increase in the amount of supercars in this particular city, because first of all, I think there has. I, I now more frequently see Ferraris and Lamborghinis and crazy other, you know, cars that I felt like I never really saw in Minneapolis. Now I see them more frequently and I hear them more often. And I can't tell if it's just now that I notice them more or now that I'm like a racing fan that I pay attention to it. Uh, but it's always something that like catches my attention all the time. And it's like one of those self-selecting things. I don't
0: know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean the uh, the. I think there's been a lot of people that have done pretty well with the coronavirus in terms of they've made more money. So there may be more of a a shift to some of these higher value goods.
1: Yeah, I mean, we talked about in our uh, in our investment group. Uh, we talked about luxury stocks, and you know, tons of money has been made by the one percent in the pandemic. I mean, it's been a it's been a lucrative. Uh, been like the roaring twenties, basically, except for the rise All boats. component. <laughs> you know I mean? it's, it's been rise the rise. Those of you who have yachts, <laughs> or are thinking about purchasing a yacht, uh,
0: yeah. I think it's pretty it's pretty interesting, and you know, as so, this weekend was the the is our our due date, and we were talking about, you know, what's it going to look like in the future for our kids, like as they grow up, what, what is kind of like, are we going to have more of an equalized society? Is it going to kind of continue off in the direction it's going in? It's just, it's a very interesting thing to think about, you know, like 20 to 30 years down the road, what does this path kind of get us off to? Because I think there's so much there's a lot of indecision right now about what direction we're going. And, um, that's something we were talking about the other day is like, you look at the economy and how it's changed and there's a lot of really big companies that are getting bigger. Um, so that really means like kind of the the direction is going to be going one or the other way. So
1: that's a fascinating point because there's been so much talk about like communism. I mean, Let's be real. There's all this propaganda about like, oh my God, there's this high school teacher who flies communist flags and he teaches his students Marxist theory and blah, blah, blah. And then there's, you know, this huge sort of anti-work sentiment about like, oh my God, I need to be paid more for my job or whatever. And then there's, you know, obviously the desire to tax the rich. You've got AOC's dress, which, I mean... At the Met Gala, I'm sure you saw that, right?
0: I oh, I've, I did see that. I do have the internet. Yeah, you don't live <laughs> under a rock. <laughs> so. I have the internet. I saw that picture right away.
1: Well, it was it's uh, it was it was uh, gunpowder to a already provoked conversation, and I'm so happy you brought that up because I think that's a really fascinating question because. Um, the narrative is just, well, here's the thing. Okay. There's democratic, maybe he's waiting until the second term to implement a, uh, tax policy, but I don't think he's going to do a tax policy this year. Not a chance because I, I, I just don't, I don't think he's going to institute a tax policy. He, I think they'll wait until Kamala tries to get elections and, you know, win the next year. She's obviously going to be on the ticket. Uh, but that, I think that's a fascinating discussion because there's so much more. You know, the people of today, like who are young kids, don't know that, like, we fought. Or I mean, people know that there were wars against communism, but I don't know that people really lived through it. People don't have their parents or, you know, their loved Grandpa, ones who yeah. were sent to. I think it's just like a generation removed from the reality of what, you know, basically the entire 1940s to the 70s was, or the 80s, really. Um, and sure, I understand the United States foreign policy is uh, a, you know, spotted past of, you know, various different growing over of governments. It's the oldest trick in the book that we learned from the British, you know, so uh, anyway, but this idea, I think it's fascinating when you when you ask it about, are we going to continue on sort of the capitalist, you know, double down on that versus some more egalitarian model of wealth redistribution? Mm-hmm. Do you have an opinion on what it might be?
0: You know, I, I don't. Because when I think that the capitalist society will maybe move forward what I think happens is when people make a lot of money sometimes they trend towards more of the socialist route because then they have more control so it's really hard to know for me what will will ultimately prevail and I think the hard thing is when you put you know finance and social we've got kind of I think two categories in our political world you've got the financial side of how do you fund things so when you think of uh the war when you think of healthcare, uh teaching teachers you know you know like just actually ta- what is the tax where do you tax who do you tax you know debt is one side and then you have this other social side which is you know more of the social issues as to Climate change and some of these other things, which some may argue is more of a financial thing, but there are more of the social categories. And I think there's such a divergence on both of those parties are very firmly rooted in what, you know, what they believe that it's really hard to, I think, unstick people from this type of pressure so, you know, I've, I I don't know what will prevail, whether it's capitalism or, or more of a socialistic, you know, more of a, you know, how do we deal with monetary, the monetary uh, challenges. But I do think it's going to be fascinating in, as to how we move forward. And I do think that's the the ideal in democracy is it'll kind of work itself out through voting. So the most popular thing will get there. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, that's kind of my thought. I know I'm not really committing to anything because it's really difficult to even project in the future because I think there's a lot that can change in terms of is there a dynamic leader that comes along that can help do some good? Is there another event like the coronavirus that will change the landscape of how, you know, moving a lot of things online? You know, it sounds like the frustration is pretty high right now with everybody. I just think there's a lot of challenges that'll come out.
1: I think we're going to, I'll, I think we're going to enter a post pandemic period here where we're not going to see a lot of change for a while. I think we're going to enter somewhat of a golden age of people, a post, a post war like era where, you know, call it the 1950s or whatever. Right. Like, you know, Everybody's got the picket fence and whatever, but it's going to be the work from home and, you know, whatever. Um, And I don't know how long that's going to last. It could be very short. It may only be a few years or whatever. Um, Obviously there's a ton of social upheaval, but um, as you were speaking, I came, I thought about this kind of convenient idea. Uh, um, You've got AOC who's obviously a multimillionaire and, you know, She's got this tax the rich, rich thing. You've got Hollywood celebrities who are oftentimes the most outspoken people about, you know, kind of the, shall we say, socialist agenda or the democratic agenda. I don't, you don't hear a lot of celebrities talking about the need to redistribute wealth, but you do certainly hear the social agenda as far as you know which is fine. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but what I was, you know, what I, there's a lot of noise out there about like, you know, tax the rich and make a more egalitarian society. But you know where that noise comes from? It comes from the top. It comes from the upper echelon. And that is an extremely convenient narrative to continue If you don't actually want to see anything realistically sweeping through the nation, when plumbers and electricians and working Americans, teachers, nurses, you know, when those people start demanding income redistribution, now we're talking change. When the 1% is doing it, it's, it's filling a void. It's, 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 it's a placating move for people who are feeling the squeeze and able to grab onto that narrative and go, oh my God, I'm so happy that, you know, insert celebrity name is talking about this thing because they're. Fighting the fight for us—it's like such a convenient scapegoat for not having to go out in the streets and pick it. That it almost, to me, is like remarkably
0: convenient. Yeah. What I think, what there's, there's what we talked about earlier is there's this blurring line between, like, a Hollywood celebrity, and you know they're now very upfront with their viewpoints. CEOs of organizations are having to do things like, you know, they're just getting more into the social, the social impacts of, of issues. They're having to, you know, answer to a lot more of their employees' requests on, you know, do you support this cause or not? And I think that's making the, the workplace much more complicated. And it used to be, you go to work, and you work, and then you go home, and you talk about politics with your your friends, and you know you hang out in your groups. And now I think a lot politics are coming into the fray a little bit more, or at least kind of some social issues around climate change because it does impact businesses, and so that's where I think it's becoming uh, difficult. And you know, it's just it's another challenge that I think we're going to have to navigate socially. And we talked a lot about you know, hearing p- different people's opinions on, on everything. And it's just, there's a lot of noise right now, a lot of noise from a lot of different people. Um, and that's been, you know, it's, it's a lot to handle cause I think there's just the information overload is really difficult. And, you know, I'm struggling to find a new source that I actually believe is you know, isn't just going one direction. You know, every news source has kind of their taint or their, their, their spin on things. And it's really been complicated to find a a news source that has fairly um, objective analysis on just daily events.
1: Yeah, I, I saw this comment online where somebody said, if the news anchor or reporter you're watching is emotional or shocked and appalled... <laughs> you're not watching news you're watching propaganda which <laughs> I, I loved
0: shocked and appalled. that's a good one or or in any way emotional angry in any yep. way mm-hmm. if
1: your news anchor is angry expressing emotion if they're gleeful if they're whatever you're not watching news you're not watching information you're watching a you're watching an ankle you're watching somebody trying to sell you an idea
0: hmm Yep. I I think that's very true. And, you know, we're all having to use our own filters and our filtering system to identify what is, you know, what is something we can work with and not. And, you know, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of news about what came out in these Facebook papers or I don't know what the transcripts or information in a lawsuit about how they've been, uh, changing the narrative on some things and i i do think that is an extremely complicated place to be <laughs> it's but i don't envy what they are going through at all right now um, because they have such i think power in those algorithms which are working in the background are driving you know what what news comes out front and Gate. You've got the Hunter Biden stuff. You got, we're going to shut down Trump. We're going to keep him up. You know, it's just like these decisions have to be just, you know, not fun to have to deal with on a day to day basis.
1: Yeah, that or extremely fun.
0: It, <laughs> Depends on who you are. That's true. Type, you
1: know? <laughs> <laughs> That's true.
0: That's uh, true. Oh.
1: I don't know. No, I've been I've been thinking about my energy and attention and focus as well. And uh, one of these things I had an epiphany on was fantasy football. Um, I was hmm. I I um, have to do a fantasy league for one reason or another, and uh, and I made a a change to my fantasy roster. I'm extremely passive about it, and then I actually tuned into a game, and I looked at the score. And I saw they were doing bad and I had an emotional reaction to it. And then yep. I, immediately, I immediately was like, oh my God, I care about this. I need to stop immediately. <laughs> um, and so I just re- I was like, okay, that's it. I'm not going to change my fantasy roster ever and I'm just going to let it ride because um, I don't know which camp I'm 100% in because some people think you have like a finite amount of energy. Some people think you have like, you know, should always be extremely tenacious in everything that you do. So you should, you should do fantasy extremely voraciously. You should do your job extremely voraciously. Uh, I, I tend to think that the Gary Vee lifestyle is like not something that's conducive for the, the direction that I'm going when I say the Gary V. lifestyle. I, I watched a video of him speaking with this other dude on a podcast and they started arguing with each other about who works harder um
0: just, oh that's just not nothing who wants to look that sounds like fun to listen to
1: yeah gary v was like nobody works harder than me or whatever i do work so hard And this other podcast is a guy who's pumps a similar message about how hard you have to work to make a bunch of money and they were kind of like stick measuring over who works harder which i thought was pretty hilarious because if you're talking about how hard you're working that's a, that's not actually working. That's, you're not doing anything so um <laughs> A bit of an oxymoron, but, um, or it's, it's at least self-aggrandizing at the very least. And so, uh, you know, if, if you take that angle, like that's, that's one way to go. I, I, I tend to think we have more of a finite kind of amount of energy that we can expend in a day. Uh, and then we need to recharge in some capacity. So like if I'm putting any of my emotional interaction to a fantasy sports game, that's taking from my ability to invest in like something that matters to me. I don't know. That's just my opinion. That was the reason I got out of it in the first place. I was like, this is just not supportive for the direction that I want to go in life. um, I had an interesting run in with that initial intention setting exercise. So uh, I thought I'd share it. Not to say fantasy football isn't a lot of fun and people get tons of joy and camaraderie out of it because they do. That's great. But for me, I I felt like I was investing too much of my time and energy.
0: Yep. I agree. And I think. You know, you've you got to make that decision for yourself. And, you know, some people may have great friendships that come from this thing and it's something to talk about and it's a way to relate to people and maybe that's what what need it fits for them. You know, if you're trying to make a lot of money, I don't think fantasy, spending a lot of time on fantasy football will move it forward. You know, I, I just...
1: Unless you're in the betting industry and that's your speciality.
0: Which, I mean, the betting industry is a fascinating thing to look at in terms of how is that going to impact sports in the future. Um, I know they're betting big on that driving more engagement.
1: Well, absolutely. just watch a
0: television commercial. Oh, my gosh. There's so many of those. um, So
1: I I did, I'll give a quick plug on on a mutual fund or an index fund. That's B E T Z. Uh, and it's a round hill sports, like product that is an index fund of various different, um, sports betting stocks. And, uh, it's had a fairly decent return. Uh, something to look into for anybody who thinks that the industry is going to increase. I mean, DraftKings, if you look at their stock price, it's just been crazy. So. In mean, Barstool, I think it's only a matter of time until that company goes public. Really,
0: well, I think they're going to try. I mean, there's even people talking about that guy trying to be the president of the United States. Um, he's going to be the future president of the United States, which is just crazy to think that it's come that far. It is
1: that well. I mean, this is what this is what the new era is of being an influencer. Influencing people is now valued above everything else. And, you know, there was some controversy about whether or not social media stars should go to the Met Gala and, you know, whatever, but what it tells you is that the influencer is becoming the most important role or the most valued role um which just speaks amazing volumes about the society we live in that we would reward the ability to manipulate people and influence people highest because of the in it and you, you know perhaps it's always been that way in terms of athletes and celebrities, but now you don't actually have to have a talent other than, you know, being on social media as a talent, which very much is a talent. Or to talent, everybody would be a social media star. That's, yep. not, that's not the case at all. So it's, I think it's just really, really fascinating that uh, the influencer is, is the new, is the new profession. Really.
0: Yep. No. And I think that's, that's something that you, you look at like our kids, what they're going to be, what, what's going to be the gold job there. It's just going to be kind of fascinating to sit back and watch.
1: Yeah. On, um, you know, first grade or whatever, when everybody says what they want to be when they grow up. Um,
0: We'll be paying attention.
1: Nobody nobody was saying influencer when I went through that.
0: (laughs) I Uh, don't remember that being uh, a a thing. I don't think that was on the multiple choice test. No, it wasn't. It sure will be now. Oh, yeah. Uh, I want to be a YouTube star.
1: Yeah, I want to be a YouTuber. I want to be an Instagram model. I want to be a TikTok influencer
0: hmm.
1: I want to be a, a Facebook Karen.
0: I don't know. Um, There's probably a lot more influencers that we don't even know about because we're <laughs> kind of behind that. We are.
1: It's, yeah. There will no doubt be that career day. I'm a social media influencer. I don't know. Uh, and again, always try not to be in the camp of like I had it better when I was younger. You know back in the old days i want to make america great again or whatever you know I try never <laughs> to be in that sort of like it was better in my day camp and so uh this is one of those areas where i always have to be like i mean it's a new day it's just a new it's a new day
0: yeah Very when good. it's like you can't change we can't go and change the past so you know it's nostalgia is fine sometimes but i think it can definitely be another one of those yeah. If you're focusing on that, you know, you can, where do you put your focus? And, and I think, you know, you talked a little bit about, you know, like focusing on fantasy football and social media. Some of these things are taking time away from doing other high value ad stuff in, in with your life. And I have made that same thing too.
1: Yeah. It's the looking in the rear view mirror to go forward. Uh, yeah. Being, Oh my God, look at how pretty things were in the rear view mirror. Um, <laughs> I don't know if there's a South Park episode of that they have these things called member berries, and they they're these little talking grapes or berries that you know people look at, and then they they say like, "Oh, remember Nickelback? Remember Smash Mouth? I remember," and it, and it's sort of like a play on this Make America Great Again, but it was so amazing about how I mean, it's an angle that really works to influence people is you know nostalgia.
0: Oh, big time!
1: Big time! It was an election one-off, but so um, anyway, I feel like we're digressing here. So uh, for, that's uh, that's all we got for you today, folks. Tune in next week, and we'll be back kicking it here.